Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson tuning in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson at Will Paul 11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. It is officially game week. We have a loaded week of shows upcoming. No better person to start on our uh, on our yearly episode. We we try to get it in during camp. I was uh, I was too busy being uh, being busy with the honeymoon and and the wedding and all that stuff. But Dennis Wozniak, the the legend that uh, that started all the Zach Wilson hype last year during camp and before Zach threw a horrible interception, got hurt against the Eagles. <laughs> Hopefully this starts a better trend this time. How are we doing today, my my friend? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for having me. I, yeah, I'm glad we finally were able to connect. But you you were doing important things. You had, you yeah. had a lot of important happy things. Happy wife, happy life. You know, that's there you what, go. That's, what we're, hey, uh... that's, that's the first rule. You got it already. You're good. <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, <laughs> it was obviously an incredible summer from a lot of different perspectives. But, you know, want to talk a little bit of just, you know, camp's over, preseason's over. We'll get into some expectations, a little preview of the Bills game. You know, obviously being at camp all the time, I guess we'll start with we'll start with the negative and then we'll go positive, you know, and from that perspective. Is there anything about camp that stood out maybe that either was more disappointing than you, than you kind of expected or anybody that kind of, you know, like, oh, they, they didn't necessarily look, you know, they didn't necessarily have as good of a summer as I was kind of uh, expecting or anything like that. I, I think one of the obvious is the line and, you know, we've, everybody's talked about that a lot and just kind of trying to see how these guys were going to kind of coexist. And it took a while to figure out, you know, where Beckton was going to play, if he was going to be able to play anywhere on the line. Um, and, and I think really the jury's still out on that, right. I, you know, they're just, they plugged him in at right tackle, but you know, he's got to prove that he could go for a whole game and and play that position. I think he'll be fine as long as he's healthy. And that's a big question mark. Any guy coming off of two knee, major knee surgeries and, and injuries like that. But um, as far as, as uh, you know what, one disappointment I think maybe was not seeing Carl Lawson a lot because he had a back issue midway through camp and nobody really talked about like what what it was. And, and for a guy who's got that injury history, um over the last couple of years you kind of wanted to see him mix in with like Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald and 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 really give you the 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 glimpse at what that pass rush could be so I think that was that was one of the uh disappointments uh he said he's healthy now so you know we'll see you know some of these guys they just in the summer you know they they kind of gear up slowly and go in but that's a guy you kind of wanted to see like hit the ground running and go kind of like what Jermaine Johnson did. Like, I, you know, boom, he got a great summer. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree with you. I, I think some couple of names kind of come to mind again. This is not, we're not saying they're going to have a bad you know season or anything like that. It was just guys that maybe didn't have the, the bigger summer. That CJ Uzama kind of feels like tight end three. Um, 
Yeah. I just, it's hard for me to like, look at him. You know, we talked a little bit before and, you know, Chris Long obviously does a great job. He said it. He said he was going to come on the podcast. So uh, everyone in the his mentions keep pressuring him to come on. Um, but, you know, he asked Joe Douglas about the tight end room and he talked about Conklin a lot, had a lot of nice things to say. I, you know, big fan of Tyler Conklin. Another guest of the pod uh, that's been doing well ever <laughs> since he came on. Jimmy Rucker, he talked a lot about. So he had the best summer of any Jet, who's a guy I'm sure we're both going to mention here in a minute. Kind of said he's almost like, kind of feels like he's the vibes guy this year. And and that's okay. He does make a lot of money, so it's a little frustrating from one perspective. But it just felt like, I don't know, I, there was a couple plays at a practice um, Tuesday before the Giants game where it's like, he should have that ball. And it's just like he doesn't have the same explosion those other two guys do. I just, nothing against him. I just feel like he's kind of the lower upside guy. Steady, stable player, has some nice moments, big leaders, you know, leadership guy, but just kind of feels like he might be that tight end three, and this might be this, his last year with the Jets if he's going to stay on this big money. The other guy, you mentioned Carl Lawson. I felt like Alan Lazard is another guy that's been a free agent. Lazard had, like, he's he made some nice plays. He had the one jump ball that was a viral clip. Um, he got banged up a couple different times. Felt like yeah. every other day, it was a tweet from you or Rich or Connor, another drop ball. Veteran come in, big money. I think he'll be fine. He's amazing in the run game. He's kind of him and Conklin almost are both kind of like going to be these guys that both interchange roles almost in a sense, right? Like they talked about that, but just felt like Lazard didn't have a great summer for a guy that's he's not making huge money, but he, he's the highest paid receiver on the team by quite a bit now. Yeah, that that's a good point, and that's very um, uh, receptive of you because that that is something that we did kind of notice that there were some plays that he made that were really good. And then there were other plays that like, and this guy's had quite a few drops, you know, so that makes you wonder, but I think Rogers trusts him. So that might go a long way. Um, and, and he knows what he's capable of doing. So I think, I think if it were different, if it was another quarterback trying to trust the guy who maybe had some drops, but he's worked with him, he knows what he can do. So that doesn't concern me as much, but you did kind of expect him to come in and just catch everything and, and be that guy. And he might still be that guy, but that, but that's true. That was one of the observations in camp for sure. And Uzama, that's also something I, I think, I think you're right on it. I think Conklin will be a guy who develops into a short yardage blanket for Aaron Rodgers. And I think also that Ruckert has really, started to show some progress and i think that was an important thing for this summer for him now he played with uh with a foot injury last year and he said it took him all year before he started to finally feel comfortable so it's hard to kind of knock what he was able to do or not able to do last year as a rookie because he really was hampered by that so when you think of that where there's a, a pass catching tight end in conklin another one in ruckert who could do some things and you know, Uzama's been around a while and he's he's the veteran. So I that might end up playing out that way. I think Rodgers likes him too. I think he's an important part of kind of that that chemistry in the locker room, but maybe not so much when they take the field. I think you might see more Conklin and Ruckert out there. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you. There's two guys that, you know, the Jets obviously ended up cutting. You know, one's back now and Tim Boyle. I'm not saying I was expecting big things from Tim Boyle by any means. I was expecting him to push Zach a little more than he did. I felt like I know Zach was going to be the number two. I think that you're the third highest paid player in the team and the team's still trying to salvage any kind of either it's a pick, you know, at the end of the year or whatever it's going to be. 
I understand that like Boyle is a QB three in the NFL. It just felt like he was pretty uninspiring in practice. The practices I saw in person, the games, it wasn't that great. And then in Bam night, I felt like, you know, Michael Carter kind of felt like he took last year. I felt like Michael Carter took the Brees Hall thing and did not do a great job with it. I felt like he mm-hmm. totally cratered him and Elijah Moore took the Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall stuff and like totally created ego wise and their game play on the field also carried. Not that they're big egomaniacs. It just it didn't feel like they took the welcome to the NFL moment for them of the teams that you know they're the second they draft you the second they extend you JFM said it before and I've second they extended JFM it's like they're looking to cut me right because that's what they're trying to do you make big money now they want to replace you so just felt like Michael Carter stepped up this summer a little bit I know he had a, a terrible pass pro rep against the Giants and whatever but <laughs> Bam Knight felt like he kind of cratered when that happened it felt like he had a strong start to camp and then they signed Dalvin Cook and it's like the fumbles it's a missed pass pro stuff and I don't know. I, it's, I'm not that surprised now looking back that he ended up getting cut in. And like I said, Tim Boyle, I just felt like those are just two guys that I know pretty obvious since they didn't make the roster, but it, it felt like those two guys had a chance to kind of cement themselves in one way or another. And and neither really, uh, neither really did that. Yeah. I, I think uh, with Knight, I think a lot of people going into camp thought, especially when the cook rumors were really starting to, to kind of boil that, Michael Carter would be the odd man out because Bam Knight, like, oh, you know, second year guy and Carter kind of took that step back, but it played out that way. Right. And, and that as far as Bam Knight, not taking advantage of that opportunity, he had some, he did have some good camp practices. That was the thing. And you saw some burst from him. Um, But then in the preseason games, he just didn't do much. And I think Michael Carter, like I'm not ready to write him off as a, significant contributor because you just see what he can do um just from that that low center of gravity that he has and his legs just churn he's different from dalvin cook and Brees hall i think that he brings an element to that running game that those guys might not i think all three of them really do complement each other and i think bam would have done that too but he's kind of a guy you know he's just he's a guy you put izzy Abakanaba in into that mix and now you've got like that young speedster now you got a foursome back there that they all kind of do different things and they can catch the ball out of the backfield some have more speed than others Carter's hard to take down Dalvin Cook I like that group so if they had to cut because they weren't going to keep five especially if they were going to keep Bodden at fullback which like I thought all along when you saw him being worked in to the offense early on in camp and then it kept going it's like oh I, I think Hackett's going to want to use a fullback in this offense so it looked like Knight would be the odd man out and I mean and as far as Boyle I didn't expect much you know I, I really didn't I think he's a guy who's got some backup experience and he's been with Rodgers so I thought that was kind of the the hook he knows the offense and that sort of thing so um but I think that it's also it kind of shows you like Zach had a good camp he really did he had a good uh preseason so it was kind of probably hard for Boyle to kind of even push him uh because he wasn't even going to get those kind of snaps so I think like all of that together I I wasn't surprised and I didn't think that they were going to keep Boyle on the active roster either um when like the group the beat writers we kind of talk we have like our rosters that we kind of think and I just I never thought that they would have a third guy when you have Rodgers and Zach Wilson, like, okay, Zach, 
Like, I don't think you're going to roster three guys on a, on a 53 to have an, a guy as an emergency quarterback. If Rodgers and Zach Wilson go down, it's like, oh, all right. Yeah, Didn't, no, I'm on the same page, too, because especially with the rules, like, it's not as if, like, the way it works, you literally have to have everybody, like, in out, like, ruled, like, out of the game fully with injury, all these different right. things. Obviously, we start with some negative stuff. It's not necessarily negative. It's just guys that maybe, you know, kind of need to have a much better start to the year than they did camp. Flipping the other side. We're not going to talk. I don't want to talk too much about the obvious guys. Um, I mean, it could be somebody that maybe, you know, is an obvious guy. I'll start with a couple of guys that I felt like had big camps. And I feel, I mean, I wrote about it for the, for the Badlands uh, season preview guy that'll come out on Thursday for anyone that subscribed to Badlands, you know, Tony Adams, everyone I asked the combine two years, like not, you know, this year, a year ago when the Jets kept him. Oh, wow. Like they really like Tony Adams. Then I go back to the combine this year. They really like Tony or not the combine, whatever. They combine this year. They really like Tony Adams. Like he's gonna play, and I'm like, okay. And um, this is probably you feeding me some bullshit. Nope, <laughs> no, he's gonna play, and he's yeah. had a great camp. But you ask some people in the you know the Illinois staff that um, you know asked somebody that was a DB coach there, he was like, dude, Tony Adams is very good. Like I don't know why he didn't get drafted. It's not really it doesn't matter anymore, right? But he didn't. The Jets ended up moving him. Um, I thought both safeties had nice camps. I thought Jordan White had looked healthy. I thought he, again, I think some of his issues last year, he sprained his ankle week one, played through it, and then hit a couple of missed tackles where if he wraps up, there's a couple of runs. There's a Damian Harris running there against the Patriots to open the second half of right around Halloween. That was a that was a brutal one. There was a Jags one. But overall, he did have a nice year last year. Like, he, yeah. he wasn't terrible. I think Jets fans, he was highly paid last year in a sense. He was a big contract, Super Bowl winner, so they maybe expected more. But both safeties, I thought, had nice camps. A couple other guys that stood out. Obviously, you know, Xavier Gibson making the roster goes without saying. He had a really nice camp. Obviously, I don't think anyone's expecting him to be a 53-man guy. I think practice squad was certainly on the table, and he thought his returnability was nice, but I don't think I expected him to make the roster. I think that's pretty obvious. Um, Two other guys, I think Will McDonald is is an obvious choice as well, and you can touch on these guys, obviously, if you want to as well. McDonald's a guy that is a first-round pick, but I think everyone kind of assumed, like, he's not going to play this year. Like, no, he's going to play, and they, he's been really impressive. You ask anyone in the building, I'm sure you've done a million times. They all, like, this isn't, like, fluff. Like, he legitimately might be very good. Um, and then we talked about him before. Jeremy Ruckert's the other one that, you know, Douglas said again yesterday. He might have had the best summer of anybody on the roster. He's a guy who he was my tight end one coming out last year. I wanted him to play last year. I'm not sure why he didn't get on the field. It was the foot injury. Then he kind of – couldn't he really get on special teams like Yeboa to kind of like felt like he was getting those reps. It was a little weird. He was inactive a lot. Um, I'm missing two defensive linemen that I'm going to leave out and let you kind of touch on two edge rushers that uh, I'm a big fan of as well. But um, those are just some names that I thought maybe had good expectations coming to camp, but they like really took it to another level and they're guys that are going to play a lot, um, you know, obviously week one. Yeah. I mean, that, you, you mentioned Gibson in Brownlee making the 53 and, and having um, Irvin Charles also make the 53 that I mean, I, I don't think anybody would have expected all three of them to make it, especially, I mean, you couldn't foresee Corey Davis retiring uh, or, or stepping away from the game uh, for now. So, I mean, those guys really stood out and I think they like, again, it's another one of those kind of things with the running backs, the, those guys have different skill sets too. And they kind of can see, them growing in this offense with different roles and and the funny thing is early on in I guess OTAs 
there was a point where Aaron Rodgers had Gibson and Brownlee off to the side talking to them. And it was like, huh, he's taking a, an interest in these guys. He sees something. He sees something. And it played out that way, too, that, you know, hey, they had good camps and um, making a team. And I don't know how much of a role Brownlee will have right off the bat. I think Gibson will because he's going to be in, the, I think, in the return game. And I like the speed and and some of the stuff that he he offers. Um, you uh, you mentioned Tony Adams. I'm going to pat myself on the back real quick because I wrote about him last summer coming out of camp, how good a camp he had, and he was really opening eyes back then. So um, and they, people were raving about him a year ago that he's a guy when he gets a chance he's going to make the most of the opportunity and he was really humble and um, just kind of cool to hear his story and stuff he and, talks and, a lot though like on the field like i was one thing that stood out yeah. I mean, you're, you're right there i was really impressed i you know i the practice i was at there was no fans and i was like man this guy does not stop talking shit all game long and it's not even to other people he's just talking to himself it's actually yeah. insane for that's a lot yeah. of confidence for a second year undrafted you know undrafted rookie to earn a starting spot now he's got that like swagger to me he didn't play in the first couple of preseason games at all Right, right. And that was a good sign that, okay, yeah, they really trust him and have a lot of expectations for him. But the thing is, I don't remember seeing or hearing that last year uh, from him. I, I think that really developed over the last year where he became so vocal and, and all that. I guess he's, you know, he saw Sauce doing it too. And, you know, I, I guess the confidence in him being able to play, I guess it kind of brought it out of him because it, that that part of his game definitely took a step uh, this summer and this offseason into the summer. So, yeah, I, I, I like um, what I saw from him. But, you know, some of these some of the other guys, I mean, we know about Bryce Huff. You know, we I, know that was one I was waiting for. And that guy, I mean, it, I, I picked it. Somebody asked me breakout player for this season. And I put I said Bryce Huff. People say like, well, he's kind of broken out. Not, not really, not yet. I think this is the year that he could really just like get out there and and see those sack numbers really um, go up, you know, and and really pop off the screen. Especially when when they're playing so many primetime games and all that. Now there's they'll you know they'll have national audiences seeing this guy coming off the edge and just you know mauling guys. I think that's. That's something. And you know who else was a surprise that he made a lot of plays in camp and in the preseason? Quentin Jefferson, too. Just a guy, a big dude that you put in the middle there. And and that kind of even with Al Woods putting him at nose tackle, you've got a couple of big guys who kind of makes you think about Chris Jenkins and the defenses that Rex had. And it's like, okay, now they got that big dude there that now Quentin Williams and John JFM and the guys on the edges coming off like like. That defensive line now they've talked about like DJ Reed the other day said, you know, we could be the as good a defense as the bear, the 85 bears and the Legion of boom and the best defense. It's hard to argue with them right now that because they have all the elements. It's a matter of them pulling that off and actually doing it, but you got to love what they have right now. I mean, with the, with the pass rush, those edge rushers, the guy, the interior line, C.J. Mosley at linebacker still making tackles all over the place. Quincy Williams, another year of experience and maybe cutting down on some of those penalties, you know. And then that back end, Sauce and D.J. Reed, boom. And then we talked about the safeties already, you know. And it, it's like that that's 
man, that's that's a good mix right there. And if the offense can keep stay on the field a little longer than they did last year through all those games, where the defense in the fourth quarter was just worn out, well, these guys plus that that rotation on the line, yeah, I mean. It's hard to argue that they'll be an excellent, excellent defense. Yeah, I'm on the same page as you. Look, I, I think something that obviously gets lost, and you know this better than anybody, something gets lost in, you know, DJ Reed's quote, if you watch the full thing, is everyone got all, you know, oh, the Jets haven't accomplished anything yet, blah, blah. If you listen to what he said, he said we have the potential to be, if we execute well and everyone stays healthy, like, he wasn't just like, it wasn't a blanket statement. And I thought it was really cool that he referenced an older team. I thought, you know, a big, a prime example for the Jets really is the 2002 Bucks because, you know, I think they're the best defense I've ever seen. I would put them above the Ravens. I'd put them above the Legion of Boom. If you look at the numbers that they did against opposing quarterbacks, they made Rich Rich Gannon, Jerry Rice, and Tim Brown look like feeble, uh, to use the words of Frank the Tank. Uh, you know, so you know, that's a team that I was a dire Keyshawn fan. Everyone knows that. So I was uh, rooting for the Bucks heavily that year. Um, you know, if the Jets got eliminated, it would have been cool at Jets Bucks uh, twice that year. Yeah. Regardless, um, no, I'm on the same. Look, I, I think Jermaine Johnson had a big summer. The whole defensive line, like no one had a bad summer. You know, there's, I don't know. You know, Tanzel Smart had a good summer. <laughs> yeah, he did. You and know, he it's it's just shows he could make the the 53 because you know they're so deep. Yeah, you know? it's just it's crazy that you know when you look at it, you know that defensive line. It's you know Joe Douglas talked about today rushing cover. He comped you know, Bryce Huff's um, stature in terms of his build to like James Harrison being this bulldog in terms of shorter build, incredibly explosive. He says he's the best get off, best juice off the edge he's ever been around. And that's pretty high praise for a guy that's been in Baltimore, been in Philly, won Super Bowls. The other, the one other guy I wanted to mention uh, before we get into kind of just some expectations for the season. I thought, I know McCall Hartman didn't have a huge summer, but I think he's a guy that is ways to be you know if he stays healthy which is a huge if because that's been McCall Hartman's thing last year he was the number two option for the Chiefs last year when he was healthy and they won a Super Bowl and the year before that he was awesome he breaks it's a game breaker there's the story obviously the Jets want to trade up for him um you know back in that draft when they drafted Denzel Mims obviously um I believe <laughs> they drafted Mims. they traded back unless I'm missing I might be confusing the two drafts I know they're trying to trade up for McCall Hartman and they, the Chiefs, you know, ended up uh, ended up trading up. If I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I'll fact check that during the next. Uh, maybe I'm, I'm I might be off by a year. I probably am. Yeah, I can't um, yeah, I can't really remember. But they were supposed to trade up for him. They didn't. Um, no, I was I was wrong. It was 2019. God damn it. Um, <laughs> oh, the Jets ended up taking Jakai Polite. Nice. Okay, even worse. Yeah. Um, rough right there. <laughs> regardless, um, you know, and he's a guy that explosive. I'll be interested to see if they try to get him returning in the ball a little bit, him getting it, getting him in space. You know, you saw them dump the ball off to him. It's a quick 10 yards, right? Rogers loves that. Just right. the ball in space. Like he'll take, you know, three for three for 30 yards and have three air yards. Like he doesn't care. I want to transition a little bit to expectations for this team. And then let's just talk quickly about, about week one. The expectations, I've said it a million times on any any place that I've talked on a pod or radio or any of that stuff on my own pod, obviously, I think the divisional rounds the expectation. I, I don't think I don't think it's fair to say the conference championship game, they're in a loaded conference. They don't have they don't have the best odds. Like they're projected to have like nine or ten wins by Vegas. Like to say that they should go to the conference title game feels as much as it'd be great to cover and fun to watch. 
I'm not quite there yet. I have to see it. Uh, now they go get Mike Evans or Devontae Adams or Aaron Donald, I guess. So that's <laughs> a weird rumor flying at the deadline. Sure. Then we can change the, I'm not sure why they, that seems like a weird rumor, but I still think the division around is the expectation. I think you need to try to host the playoff game. I think trying to win the division should be the goal. If you get in as a wild card, get to the second round, any, you know, anyone's ball game, win a playoff game. Like that's, my, that's kind of my goal. Um, I guess if you're the number one seed, I guess the, the con- again, the conversation will have changed by then. So maybe the expectations do worry about this team just because you see, you know, the Nick Wrights of the world today are saying the Jets are going to be six and 11 and they're going to, they're going to crater and be the worst team in, you know, the AFC. Then you've got Chris Long's of the world saying they're going to go 13 and four and, <laughs> and win the title. I feel like it's somewhere in between. Uh, I guess, where do you sit? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, I think, and I, I, I've been saying this also in different interviews too. I, I like I could see them winning 10, 11. That's realistic, I think, with this team. Um, but it's possible they could be a lot better than that. I don't think they're gonna be a lot worse than that. I just I can't I can't imagine that. That means that a lot went wrong, you know, and I think it, you know, I mean, you have Aaron Rodgers. So so here's the thing, well. You've got Aaron Rodgers, you know, and when's the last time a Jet fan could go into a season and have this type of optimism about their team? True optimism, you know, maybe the Favre year, maybe, you know, maybe one of those Chad years. But still, did you have the confidence that Pennington could do that? Maybe like coming off of that, that 41 nothing win, maybe, you know, back Vinny O'Brien, you know, like. No, man, like you've got Aaron Rodgers. So you put your hopes and expectations way up there because he's done all that he's done. And you just see how he's carried himself. And you know, he's all in like that. That has been answered. And there's no doubt about it. He's in. And I think he's still got a lot left. He's got a lot and he wants to prove stuff. So and and he might not say that, but you know it as a competitor, as a guy who's done all that he's done, when he got really kicked out the door, and he got bothered. So he wants to shove it up there, you know, bots and say, hey, like, look, I'm still MVP Aaron Rodgers. And now I got these guys behind me and I have some playmakers with me. This is what I could have done if you had hooked me up. So I think that's where this is going. So I think from an offensive standpoint, Man, like it's going to be so much better. And I think people who like don't want to put the Jets up to that point, it's because of the history for so many years. It's like, ah, it's the Jets. Like, what does that mean now? You know, now you've got the ultimate X factor and he's here, you know? So I think with the defense and the Aaron Rodgers part, I just, I think 10, 11 wins, Divisional round, okay. You still, like you said, you still have some powerhouses in the AFC, and you know Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati. You know even Baltimore, if Lamar Jackson's healthy, you kind of got okay. But then next year, the Super Bowl is the expectation, you know. And I think that's the realistic aspect of it. I think that that if you're being a realistic fan or prognosticator or whatever, you think okay, the Jets should go to the playoffs. They will go to the playoffs. And they could win around, and then, you know, they might bow out. But then next year, watch out. So yeah. I, I think that's kind of how I feel. Yeah, look, I, I think everything. There's gonna be context to everything. Look, they somehow they 
the AFC is so good. They win 10 or 11 games and they have to go to Kansas City in the wild card round. They lose 27-24 in, the, in overtime. Like, sure, you feel feel fine about it. Do I think that you'd feel a lot better if they did that in the conference title game? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I think it would suck as a Jets fan, obviously, to you know, go, oh, God, we got here again. Like, are we, you know, what's going to go wrong now? Is this 99 all over again? Like, I'm sure that's what people are going to feel like. But sure, he's all in. He's in for at least two years. There's a lot of people who think he's in for three years, right? Like, there's, yeah. there's, you know, I think he's going to play at least two years because I think the NFL is going to do whatever they can to get Green Bay and the Jets on the schedule next year. And it's going to be in Lambeau and – Look, that's why, like, I know, you know, it's bouncing around a little bit, but, like, you look towards the Dallas game, you mentioned Rodgers being all in, looking to prove something. You're telling me that that dude is not going, I hate the Cowboys, which we all know he's dominated them his whole career, and the great big fuck you to Mike McCarthy, like, that's coming. So um, that's why I think this game is so important. I want to ask you quickly, right before we get to the Buffalo game, as we wrap here, Robert Salas, I defend Salas on this podcast all the time. I, I think the guys – Look at the way the guys respond to him. You ask anybody in that building, they love Salah. The players love him. The WFN callers of the world, and, you know, I just use those as, like, a general. Sometimes, like, he's not tough enough on them. They're not, they're not disciplined enough. I don't get, you know, they handled Zach wrong. They didn't develop him. Like, sure, I'm sure that all that stuff is reasonable. But outside of, like, one timeout last year that, sure, like, he could have called differently, but Elijah Moore ran backwards and Zach Wilson took a sack coming out of a timeout like a moron in, in a two-minute drill. I, I just don't know that, like, he did that bad of a job. They almost doubled their win total. They had the worst quarterback playing football. The defense went from the worst defense in football to a top-five defense. A lot of these guys are here because of Sala. I know Joe Douglas gets all the credit, and he should get a lot of credit, but so, so should Robert Sala. Um, and he's an incredible scout. If you really – you ask people in that building – He's done a really good job scouting a lot of these undrafted guys, scouting a lot of these later round guys and developing them. You know, we just talked about a lot of guys that were not first or second round picks. There are a lot of guys that were bottom, you know, bottom of day two, bottom of day three undrafted guys that are starting now for a team that we're just talking about 10, 11, potentially 12, 13 wins. Are you confident, Sal? I know you can't say he's the best coach in the division. We obviously know Belichick is and McDermott's proved more, but like, it's kind of crazy to me. Mike McDaniel gets a lot of the hype in this division. And like, I guess they made the playoffs last year, so I get it. But is it really any different? I don't know. I just feel like he's getting a little too much criticism from the outside right now going into uh, going into week one. Yeah. You know, and I think the six game losing streak at the end of last year didn't help either. And kind of that was one thing that people kind of pointed at Sala, like what, you know, you, as a coach, you got to get these guys to win one of those last games, those last six games, and he couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, there there were other factors involved, like you mentioned, the quarterback play, and I think okay, maybe some coaches rise above that, but I think we forget where this coaching staff started, and that means Ulbrich also, and and a lot of the assistants. They were real. This is like the first time they're in these positions of, of really being the guy, you know, and, and LaFleur was that way too. Um, and it didn't work out and they made the change and now they've got Hackett who they have a lot of trust in as an offensive coordinator. And I think it was a great move um, whether Rogers was here or not. Um, but um, I, I think Sala and the coaching staff had to learn how to be, at this position and, you know, at this point in their coaching careers. So I think it's, that's what's happened here. And I, I think 
Salah knows what to do now. Now, people also joke about like the sayings that he has and all these things like, oh, it's corny. Like, like no, man, I, I like I think there's an element to like what Rex did where he just fired guys up, you know, and it worked until they didn't win anymore, you know, and that, then it rings hollow. But I think he kind of know he's a he's a regular guy. He I think he appeals to the young guys, the older guys. I think he's learning. They they've shown some progress progress in in their coaching styles, the ability. So, but I do think it's a big year for Salah because if they don't make the playoffs, or if they they bow out early and don't play well, or the defense doesn't play as well as everybody thinks it's going to, I think he'll get a lot of the blame for it. But I think Rodgers is still in this case the X factor too. Are they going to fire the head coach and then make Hackett the head coach? If Roger, because that would be the only move that I could see them doing, and I, I don't know that that's the case. So I think it's a big year. I think I think maybe Salah doesn't get enough credit. Um, I do think he still makes some mistakes that um, I can't kill him for. You know, not not you know, like we joke about some of the timeouts of preseason. You know, some of that like come on, you know. But I think that there are things. So I think it's a big year for him to show like he's taken that next step too. And, and if he does, man, I mean, that that's, that's what you want to see from your head coach. So um, yeah, I mean, Mike McDaniel did a nice job. They went to the playoffs. I just, I don't, I don't know. I, I think, I think those guys do believe in him, you know, and, and um, I think he's still, he's the guy, no matter what people say about, Oh, Aaron Rodgers runs things. Well, yeah, to an extent there's, you know, the offense, but I think as a figurehead, I think uh, Sala really does kind of get all those guys to buy in to what they're all trying to do. Yeah, look, I think he's a very much a modern day 2023 head coach. Intense when he needs to be, will rip you when he needs to be. He just doesn't embarrass his players in public. Anyone that's looking for him to do that in a press conference. 100%. Uh, sorry, go find a new head coach. That's not what he's going to do. Right. You kind of mentioned it there. I think there's three options that are going to happen this year. He's going to get extended and get coach of the year votes. <laughs> he's going to get fired midseason because they're terrible, which I don't see any way that happens or something goes wrong in like the title game. And it's a little floor situation where he doesn't call go for it on fourth down. And Rogers gets pissed and says, I need you to hire my buddy. I just don't see either of those two happening. I think he's either gone because they missed the playoffs, which again, you know, I think everyone's gone. If that happens more realistically, um, him and him and Douglas are likely extended and, and they're going to run this thing back, you know, a couple more years. Let's quickly hit on the Bills game. Uh, I'm going to do a full Bills in-depth preview uh, coming up with Nate Geary, who hosts Radio in Buffalo after this. But I guess two quick two questions from that perspective. We'll start. Is what do you where are you at with this game? Because I know we know Week One is an absolute crapshoot. It happens every year. We overreact, et cetera, et cetera. Still a division game. It's still this market. It's still a rivalry game. Like all oh, yeah. well, 9-11. Like this game definitely is. In my opinion, this is not because I think, you know, we both are very invested in this game. I think it's the most important game of week one. I, I think it's from a million of the reasons we just listed. The Jets start 1-0. and All of a sudden, it's like, oh, boy, buckle up. And if they look terrible and lose 0-1, the entirety of get up and every single show on every major market will say, is this Jets thing a failure already? That's what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> do you expect the Jets to show up on Monday night and, like, I don't know. They play Buffalo. They play Josh Allen better than any defense yeah. in the NFL, and they have his entire career. He's 15 turnovers in nine games against them. They've lost, they've beaten Josh Allen three times, and most of those years were some pretty huge Jets teams, to say the least. Um, and Spencer Brown still has Bryce Huff nightmare. So uh, <laughs> I guess where are you kind of at with that? 
Yeah, I, I think it's funny you say that because just today I was talking to one of the guys on my desk at the AP. We were kind of talking about how, um, you know, if things go, what what will happen and, and how overreaction Tuesday this year, if the Jets win, oh, my God, they're going to the Super Bowl, you know, and Rodgers fifth MVP and all that stuff. If they lose, like, holy crap, this is just not – I can't believe it. Now, if they get blown out, well, that, that's another story, but I don't see that happening. But if they lose, still, there will be the overreaction. See, they're not as good. Rodgers, it's like, everybody take it easy, you know, and, and let's see. But I do think they'll show up. I think um, – I, I, I can't imagine them not coming out fired up. There are going to be so many and, – and, I mean, this week – it's crazy. That's why today, you know, like today, it was the day I had to like talk to you because it's going to be nuts the rest of the week because you got 9-11 stuff from the, the bill standpoint. DeMar Hamlin will probably play uh, for the first time, which is amazing. Um, you know, Rogers, uh, Dalvin Cook playing. I just, you know, it, it's going to be it's a made for TV event. Like it really like the, the NFL could not have picked a better game. Division game, the Bills. Um but I think there's something about that team that the Jets know how to play. And I, I just I think they're going to come out in front of the home crowd. I, I think they're going to take care of business, especially on defense. Um, that's not to say Josh Allen isn't going to do some damage, you know, and I because I, I think he's such a great player. But I think now you have the offensive equivalent. You've got a guy who can go out there and match him and then keep going, you know? Oh, and one thing you, you're talking about Hardman early on, how he kind of like, Oh, you know, you didn't see, maybe that was by design, you know, because he's kind of the forgotten guy and he can do so many things that maybe the jets didn't want everybody like, Oh crap. That's right. They have McCall Hardman as he goes down there, taking a short pass from Rogers for 65 yards, you know, like, Oh, that's right. You know, we're talking about Garrett Wilson and Dalvin Cook and, you know, all these other guys, Nicole Hardman too. Boom. So, yeah, I think they're going to come out. I think that it's going to be a, a good showing. I, I can't imagine it won't be. Um, I, But, yeah, I, I would guard against overreactions either way. But I think to get the season off on the right foot would be a tremendous big step. Yeah, and then last thing. Is there one matchup in particular you're most looking forward to you think decides this game? I know the obvious answer is probably, you know, Rodgers versus the Bills defense. I It comes down to me that can the Jets basically do what they did last year to the Bills and say, Stefan Diggs, we are going to take you out of the game. Somebody else has to beat us. Um, Gabe Davis wasn't able to do it last year. Dawson Knox had the nice moment, um, had one nice moment last year. But other than that, it, it felt like Josh Allen kind of self-sabotaged a little bit and got a little sugar high Josh Allen. That's something to watch, by the way. When he plays in these big crowds, like you kind of want to get him really amped up, almost too amped up to a to a fault. Um, Kyle Brandt's no. obviously, you know, <laughs> now patented the sugar high Josh Allen thing, and it's a real thing, which he said he's not going to do anymore, and then did it in, in the first time he played in preseason. I, I'm I'm looking at that. It's, it always comes back, but like that Jets D line, Spencer Brown's of the world, um, Osiris Torrance, a rookie, like that right side. If you're the Jets, you have got to take advantage. And last year, I didn't feel like early in the year they did a good enough job with that. They got way better after the Bengals yes. game. Yeah. Is that the matchup you're looking for? Is, is there anything else that kind of sticks out to you? Um, no, I, I I think that's that's pretty much really it. I mean, I I, I want to see I want to see guys flying off the edge. You know, I want to see what they can do. 
and and rotating and uh talked about will mcdonald a little bit too he's he's somebody who when they drafted it was like oh yeah you know he's okay like yeah was he a first round like people weren't excited but once he started doing the spin moves and getting off the like okay this guy can add something to this line so yeah i think that's the thing how Ulbrich and Salah drop that defense to get after Josh Allen because that will give you a taste of what this defense can do to the best offenses in the league when they play Mahomes, you know, when they play other teams like that. So, um, yeah, I, I just, you know, even Dallas the following week, the one thing that I'm looking forward to uh, in the early part of the season is them playing New England and seeing if they could finally beat New England because if they do that, then it's like, okay, this definitely is not what we've been seeing. This is something different. This is a different team. They've exercised those demons too. So, you know, they're moving forward. Yeah, they, they you know, no Von Miller is huge. Um, yes. I'm not sure why it's not even being talked about more because he's, I think what the Bills, I'm going to talk about this more later, but, you know, I think when last year when he played, they had the fifth best pressure rate with four. When he didn't play, it was 22nd. Um, they fell off a lot defensively and, now there's a lot of Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey stuff. There's a lot going on right now around the Jets that it's like take care of business week one, and all of a sudden you, know, you can start to kind of get rolling there. Um, I know Dallas is a good team, but again, the Jets actually had success against Dallas the last couple of times they played them. And um, more importantly, you know, again, I mentioned it before, and we'll get into it once it comes. But Rogers versus McCarthy in Dallas is quite <laughs> the fu tour. Um, Last question. I told you I was going to ask you this in honor of uh, Joe Douglas getting asked this. He said the Jets were in nineties. He thought this team was a nineties hip hop group. If he had to say what band they would be, what band, I feel like we need to stray into the rock metal section here, but if yeah. it's 2023 Jets, I've been watching them the last five, six weeks on hard knocks and in person, any idea what band they would be if they were a band? So, so this is this is just hip hop. You, you no, no, we're going. Oh, we're regular up, band. Yeah, too. yeah, regular band. I mean, if you want to um, go, Michael Jackson say they they dominate. Sure, let's go for it. But yeah. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Let's see. I, well, I would stick to to my genre, kind of. Yeah, my genre here, and I I think I think these guys are like us against the world. I think they're fired up. They've got you know a leader. I, they're kind of like a rage against the machine. You know, we, we, it's us against the world. Nobody gives us respect. We're the jets. We're coming out. We're different. This is not the same old jets killing in the name of boom. You know, that's rage against the machine. That's who the jets are. That's the first yeah. thing that comes to mind. That is a exceptional, exceptional band. If you, <laughs> if you're too young to have listened to rage against the machine, figure it out, go to listen to some appreciate obviously hopping on as always. Um, hopefully I'll see you Monday night, but, um, everyone make sure you guys are uh you know now we have we have no more scorecards to to look at on a daily basis um you know our lives get a little less fun but appreciate you as always and uh you know looking forward to uh looking forward to a fun season yeah definitely thanks for having me man and uh yeah it's it like i said it's it's uh, an exciting time man for everybody like let's we finally got here like let's then now we, we're finally going to play some games and have actual results to talk about instead yeah, actual of fun stuff to talk about or not fun but at least we'll have something to talk about that's not 53 minute roster projections right exactly and, and uh <laughs> which guys are going to get cut on different teams 